Hey, it's Zaki. This episode is a bit of a departure from the typical format. In this special feature, we take a more comprehensive look at the many forms of alternative education in Israel. We sat down with three representatives of three different forms of alternative education, democratic schooling, bilingual, interracial schooling, and unschooling, each one with a unique perspective. Rebecca Fox, a homeschool student, Tammy Jaffe, a parent involved in a bilingual Hebrew-Arabic school, and Tzip Winston, a pluralistic educator with a history in democratic education, all spoke with us about their experiences and the reasons that they chose these methods over traditional schooling. You're listening to... Israel Underground. Education is a crucial part of any culture. The way we teach our children influences the way that the nation's citizens see and engage with the world around them. And typically, the way we educate our children doesn't vary so much from country to country. You sit in class, you download information from your teachers, you repeat it for your tests, and then you graduate, hopefully. But that's not necessarily the only way to go. The school system in Israel is fairly mainstream, with many different public schools ranging from religious to secular and Jewish to Arab, all covered by government stipends and all aiming to meet regulated curriculum goals. However, several communities have decided to go a different route and offer alternative educational methods. Some focus on the education itself, asking questions like what is a classroom, how do we learn, what do we learn, while others focus on who is in the school. Particularly, they focus on integrating people from different demographics. We spoke with people involved in three different alternative educational frameworks, each of whom has a different role in the school itself. It's a good idea to take a moment and touch base on the three frameworks that we chose to focus this episode on. A democratic school is a school built on the principle that the students themselves should have an equal say in how it's run and what classes they participate in. Students choose what classes they attend, and they create their own schedules. What's more, they don't receive grades for assignments. They receive evaluations that focus on how to help them better succeed. So technically how it works is that um, for instance, there's a parliament, which is the place where decisions are made, and everybody has an equal voice in this parliament, and you'll have a committee that runs the parliament, okay? And in that committee, you'll have kids of different ages and a teacher, and there's, you know, there'll be a topic on the agenda, and everybody, anybody who wants to voice their idea gets a chance to voice their idea, and then eventually, if there's got to be a hands up and voting, Everybody has an equal voice, okay? So that's, that's how decisions are made. In this framework, parents also have a unique opportunity to get involved with their children's education. Remember one father would come every Friday morning and teach Arabic to those who wanted? Uh, somebody who teaches folk dancing, etc., etc. Many, many, many options out there. And it's a win-win situation. Parents will often these courses make them feel meaningful and belonged and loved. Students enjoy it. The teachers are, you know, it gives them a little bit of a um, space where they don't have to fill in all the curriculum by themselves. Diverging even further from the traditional school system, some families choose to homeschool or unschool their children. Families establish their own routines, curriculums, and activities, deciding what their children need to know and how they should learn. We asked Rebecca Fox, who was unschooled her entire life, to explain more. Uh, I was raised in what's called unschooling, 
um, which is all about kind of learning from experiences as opposed to classes and workbooks and exams. Um, so as a family, we would go out a lot. Um, we go to museums and to the zoo and go to different uh, homeschooling family gatherings. Um, so we do a lot of activities. We'd go out and homeschooling. Oh, you stayed home all day. No, we were barely ever home. We were out and about going and doing and seeing and experiencing the world. Focusing more on the schoolgoers, some parents want to expose their children to different demographics, making that a priority in choosing a school, as opposed to the school's particular methodology. We sent a geshe this is Tammy Jaffe, who sent her children to a bilingual school made up of Jewish and Arab students. It's a school that was set up after like the, the troubles in 2000, but they wanted that the Wadi Ara, the community, because the Jewish and Arab communities would have better connections. We wanted to understand more about what's at the heart of each of these alternatives, so we asked our guests about the ethos behind each respective system. The, the, the main idea is that a child has natural curiosity to learn. Sip pointed out a curiosity-driven mindset. That natural curiosity is just another level of development uh, of the child, just like a child wants to learn how to eat and to crawl and to stand and to walk. A child that's raised in a, in a society that, that reads and learns, that's what they're going to want to do. And, and having that responsibility um, helps nourish that natural curiosity. So, so that's number one. Um, whereas often in other educational backgrounds, um, educational settings, often that curiosity is shut down. And that was the main thing that I uh, loved about this. Tammy explained that for their family, it was the student interaction that made the choice so special. And the, the ethos of the school was this idea of building up a joint community, a community that relies on each other, that has an understanding, that respects all the... Rebecca, on the other hand, highlighted the idea of individualized education. Also, each kid could focus on what they were interested in specifically. Um, so, for example, I took dance classes, I played violin, clarinet, took taekwondo, you know, focused on the things that I love to do. And then we would do homeschool meetups a couple of times a week, um, a bunch of homeschooling families, um, and we would either just hang out together or do specific activities like do a tour of a factory or a museum or different things like that. Um, and then even in my teenage years, uh, I didn't go to high school either. And I'm continued to mostly just pursue the things that I enjoyed. So why are these forms of education chosen by families? What makes them better than the mainstream? The other thing that it offers is to learn to acknowledge their own strengths from a very young age, find their own qualities, and to deepen them. So that's also a great benefit. I think the main thing, the main opportunity that I got as a homeschooler that other people either don't get or get a lot later in life is I had the opportunity to figure out what interests me and then pursue that from an earlier age as opposed to a lot of people who finish high school and then if a lot of people in Israel do the army and then only after that, when you're in your early 20s, you start thinking about, wait, what do I want to do with my life? What am I interested in? What am I good at? 
So those were things that I started thinking about from a much, much younger age and have been, I've been doing things that interest me my whole life. And I had a lot of opportunities to do that because I was homeschooling and I wasn't stuck in school all day. I was doing those things that I loved. Um, you know, people do their hobbies in the afternoons when they're done with school, maybe a couple of times a week. My life, like hobbies were my life. Um, beyond that, I also learned to be a lot more independent, to be curious, to love learning. I think I mostly just got the opportunity to learn real life skills um, and how to interact with the world at large and not just with other kids in my age, not just with other kids who lived in my neighborhood, but just with the world. This idea of pursuing hobbies and learning about yourself also came up in democratic schooling. Apart from anything else, you see that in a classroom, so much less time is wasted on uh, discipline and on trying to get everybody you know, to, to be quiet and to listen to the teacher because they want to be in this class and they're interested in studying, then everybody's you know, ready to fly off together in any direction you want to. Yeah, as a teacher, it's, it's fascinating because you, you learn so much from your students. Once, once you understand your role as a teacher, that you're not there to hold the knowledge and then just give it to the children, but rather you're on a, you're on a trip together, uh, it's fantastic. It's a great eye-opener. What about bilingual school? How does raising children in Hebrew and Arabic, and with Jews and Arabs together, benefit families? more than it was just bilingual, like having Jewish Arab school was more to do with also having a mix of cultures. And I grew up in London, which is pretty multicultural, and Nathan grew up in Manchester, which is also the same. And we felt like our education and upbringing gave us like a, a, like a, a real tolerance and a bit of like a pluralistic way to, to view the world and an openness. And it's a gift that we wanted to give to our children. And I felt like part of making a it's a bit like thing, people are much more in their boxes here. And I wanted to give them an opportunity while they were still very young to experience um, sense of other. Tammy added that to this day, the cultural interaction stays with her children, for better or for worse. And the other thing I think that, that had a negative impact was that Libby only learned the days of the week in Arabic. So still now, when she gets Tamara about ready, she struggles with. From speaking to everyone, it seems that each of these schooling systems formed a special kind of community between members. Sip currently works as co-director of the community department at Metalim, an organization which promotes integration of secular and religious Jews. She explains what being a community means in the world of education. First of all, to be a member of a community means that your uniqueness and you have a place in which you can um, shine. You have a place in which your, um, your own gifts that you come to the world with can, can be shown out there, not to show, but you can you contribute whoever you are. And the community is really based on uh, all these um, individuals, whether it's students, teachers, and parents, when all the individuals come together, that's when the beauty comes down. Tammy and Rebecca also shared about their unique school communities. So it was a very community-based school because it was not just that the children learned, but to bring the families together. So lots of, lots of events. And you have to really like mm. believe in the ideology of the school and understand that. So it, it made that you know you really got off with the parents 
that way to, to make sure that people feel included. So we were the only religious family in the school uh, who went in to keep up. And, you know, I, like they, they tried their best to make sure that the parties were not come up when they were on Friday. They gave things like all the Arabs gave them enclosed wrappers and different things to show us that they brought kosher meat and the barbecue was. They asked us to bring our own barbecue and they gave us kosher meat so we could barbecue with everyone else. Yeah, so there's a, a decent size uh, homeschooling community here in Israel. I feel like it's one big family. It's very supportive. All the other homeschooling parents, I feel like they're my adopted parents almost. But I think especially the way my parents, you know, raised us and the opportunities they gave, that they gave us, they gave us actually a lot more opportunities to meet more different kinds of people than other kids did who were in school. And so I had friends from this homeschooling group and friends from that homeschooling group and friends from my neighborhood and friends from my youth group and friends from my dance class. And, you know, just so many different categories of friends that actually taught me, I think, even better, how to socialize even better because I was interacting with so many different kinds of people in different situations and and with adults, with kids, with babies. First things that people ask me when they hear that I was homeschooled, wait, wait, how did you have any friends? I was like, actually, I got to meet a lot more people than just the 20 kids in my class. Rebecca mentions meeting all kinds of people, which is also something that the bilingual and democratic schools incorporate into their values. From Sip's work experience with Meitarim, she explains that she promotes integration wholeheartedly, knowing that interacting with different kinds of people is of huge importance to making a less divided society. There's such a divider between the different sects that are part of this one big Jewish Israeli society. A lot of the hatred and, and the division is really um, based on fear. Fear of the other, which I really don't know. The less I know about the person, the more I can imagine how fearful it might be. That's what really colors in our minds what Israeli society looks like. But when they learn to live together, then they realize that we really, there's, there's a lot more common between us than there is difference. Rebecca shares how the experience of meeting so many different kinds of people throughout her life has stuck with her to this day. I had different friends who, were, who came from different religious backgrounds. Um, which often if you're in a school, you're in a certain level of religious school. Um, and so I had friends from different backgrounds who knew different things, kept different things. We had friends who weren't Jewish, um, friends who were very religious and everything in between. And then I also had, we had Anglo friends, we had Israeli friends, we had um, people who came from, you know, whose parents came from different places, which brings in a different language, a different culture, a different background different way of going about things. It's definitely taught me to taught me that there are lots of different kinds of people uh, in the world and that everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. And to, I don't you can call it, I mean, there's different names that you can call it, but basically just not to judge people based off of their age, their, where they're from, what language they speak, etc. but rather like, do I like you? Are you a good person? Do we have shared interests? Um, and that's something that I got to experience a lot as a homeschooler, meeting different kinds of people. Um, and I take that with me till today. Sip adds that from her experience, raising a child in this kind of mixed environment can lead to an increased sense of getting to know others. Our roots are all the same. And it's only once we actually 
live together on a day-to-day -day basis and not only meet with each other, you know, for a few intense days and that's it. When you live together on a day-to-day -day basis, that's when you go into each other's homes and you learn about each other as kids. So there were birthday parties and there were play dates and, um, and all kinds of extracurriculum that's going on. And that's where not only the kids, but the families have to learn to adjust. I remember many years ago when my eldest, who's now 22, he was first invited for a birthday party on Shabbat. And I was so touched that I received a phone call from the, from the kid's mother. She calls me up and she says, I really, really want your son to come to this birthday party, even though it's on Shabbat. And we, we are Shomer Shabbat. But please tell me what are the things that I can or can't do so that your son can be at the party. I had tears in my eyes when I put down the phone because that's where, that's where love um, grows. When you realize that somebody really, really wants you to be a part of their life. And it goes the other way as well. It goes both ways. So this is, you know, this is why I believe that only by actually living together and learning that there's a variety of people I'm Israel, and it's okay. And we can still learn to love each other and respect each other. Um, it doesn't mean that there won't be differences, just like Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. That's fine. But you have to learn to live with the differences. And to, you have to learn how to, how to handle a dialogue, how to um, express your different views. And these are one of the wonderful things that these kids learn from a very, very young age. That same experience of living closely with others had a huge effect on Tammy's children as well. So I, I think if you, you asked my children specifically on it, I think so. But I think, it's, I think subtly and subconsciously has much more of an effect about how they view other people in the world. Like they, I've noticed they, they're much more, they're tolerant little open individuals that are, uh, are willing to accept to be friends with a whole range of different children and different circumstances. They, they don't look to find friends with people that are similar to them. They're quite happy to embrace the other. Finally, Tip notes that there is much more tolerance and less instances of violence when it comes to conflict resolution in mixed schools. They learn how to communicate with each other. And the, the level of violence in these schools it's been proven to be much, much, much lower than your average school. From a very young age, they learn how to um, solve conflicts. They learn how to um, uh, work with mediation. That's another one of the committees, by the way, in the school. The older kids help uh, run mediation sessions for the, for the younger kids. And, um, and I believe that when they end this school system as 18-year-olds, this is a, uh, a promise for, for growing to be better leaders and, and, and help um, turn the Israeli society into a more tolerant, loving society. Although each alternative has defining features, like community makeup, the way they approach teaching children, independence versus structure, they all offer a more comprehensive outlook on what the world is. The children involved learn to think outside the box and have a deeper appreciation for those who grow up differently than they are. 
thanks for listening. Obviously, these aren't the only alternatives families in Israel choose. So if you know of something different that you'd like to share, a different framework maybe, or uh, you know something of the sort, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are excited to keep the show going. If you have any suggestions for topics or people whose voices should be heard, drop us a line. You can send us a message on anchor.fm slash israel-underground. And you can also follow us on Facebook at il.underground. Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki Farber-Hennessy. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. Thank you.